Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by Agenda, the date-focused note-taking app for iPad, iPhone, and Mac. Learn more at agenda.com. So when none of the apps I use could move a paragraph up, I simply created a series of commands such as select current line, cut that, move up, go to beginning of paragraph, paste that, and then uh, I made a command that contains all of those subcommands. And so all I have to do is put my cursor in a paragraph and say push up or push down, and it will grab whatever paragraph I'm in, no matter where the cursor is in that paragraph, and move it up above the paragraph above it. And it's incredibly powerful to do that kind of text manipulation. Welcome back to another episode of iPad Pros. I'm really pleased to have back on the podcast Tom Snyder, who was on episode 26 of this show. On that episode, we dove into getting things done methodology for task management, his process for writing scripts, doing basic programming on the iPad, and quite a bit more. Something that I remembered from talking with him back then was his writing process, which included a lot of dictation. So in this episode, we dive deeper into dictation and if his usage has changed with the new built-in voice control and built-in dictation. He's also moved over to using Agenda as his main text app. We dive into what he likes about Agenda compared to some of the other tools out there. And we wrap up with the conversation diving into Ferrite and his editing work for a new radio drama style podcast he's working on. If you like the show, please send it over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Every review is really important in helping others discover the show. Also, make sure to give my sponsor Agenda a try. Download it right now to support iPad Pros and to get your projects on track by integrating dates into your notes with Agenda. You'll hear more about the brand new Agenda 9 a little later on in this episode, and you'll hear why my guest Tom loves it towards the end of this episode. With that, here's my interview with Tom. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast, Tom. Well, thank you, Tim. I'm happy to be back. So a lot's happened since episode 26, which was, I believe, June of 2018. Can you, I guess, first reintroduce yourself for those that didn't listen to that episode or uh, forget that episode? Sure. My name's Tom Snyder. I've been a writer and a designer my entire professional career. I guess just a couple highlights is uh, in 1982, that gives you some idea how old I am. As a very young man, I started uh, a software company uh, that ran from 82 through 2012 when it was sold. And uh, at its largest, it was about 170 employees, many, most of whom were engineers at the end, uh, software engineers. And we wrote educational simulations for K through 12 classrooms. And then I started a second company. I was the head designer uh, and I was a coder at first for the software company, and then we were bringing, uh, my company was in Cambridge, Massachusetts, so we have MIT and Harvard right here, so we got a lot of excellent coders. In the 90s, I started a second company called Soup to Nuts Productions, and that ran through 94 through 2016, I believe, which I also sold, and we did many comedy animated television shows for Five different networks, including ABC, NBC, Comedy Central, FX, Cartoon Network. We had an 
Emmy and a PBD award, and uh, we were getting great critical receptions. And we started that pretty much from scratch with me writing the code for a new way to produce animation. Since I sold them, I have started uh, several startups in the in-between. I wrote a show for Fox Comedy, and then another uh, company where we wrote iPad software for teachers, which we were in the process of pitching to Rupert Murdoch's technology company in New York when they suddenly ended the meeting, hired an outside counsel and stole our name, which was Amplify, and uh, kind of put us out of business. It's a sad story, but I have bragging rights that uh, Rupert Murdoch, who's a creep, (laughs) did something creepy to me. And today I, I'm doing a podcast uh, based on one of the TV shows that was our more successful shows from the early 2000s. We're actually trying to do a sitcom as podcast. So it's a drive time length, about 25 minutes long. So that's my current day job. Okay. And so one of the reasons I want to have you on, if you listen about the 26, you spoke quite a bit on dictation and how you you actually do quite a bit of that for your writing. Yes. And iPadOS added a pretty cool feature called voice control that uh, is designed for accessibility, but actually lets you do offline dictation and even more than that, control your entire device with your voice. Uh, so how are you finding this feature for, I guess, controlling your iPad in general, but also dictation? Well, I was so excited to hear about it and I couldn't believe it. So I've been a long time iPad user and it's my only computer. I should have probably said that too. That's why I'm so devoted to your show. I like to name iPad Pro for your show because not only do I have iPad Pros, but uh, I'm an iPad professional. I'm someone who has used huge computers, you know, and workstations and I'm doing 100% of my work on the iPad. But at any rate, when iOS 13 was coming out, I was very excited about this dictation, but I decided to hang on to the very expensive Dragon Anywhere app that works on the iPad and iPhone until I had a chance to work with dictation. What I like about dictation is it's universal. It sort of works everywhere, and it's powerful. It's much better than the old dictation where you had to click on the microphone when you were in a text field. This is just kind of always sitting there waiting in the background. And it won't time out on you like the mic button would. That's right. It keeps going. In addition to, you know, the the dictation portion of it, since it's voice controlled, you can be in the middle of a paragraph and say, insert before paragraph, the word paragraph, and the insertion point will go there. And then you can just start dictating and then you can say go to end and it goes to the end of the line. And that's very exciting. One of the things that I've been playing with to great effect is, and we may talk about this later when I'm talking about my preferences for, you know, my favorite apps. One of the things that's missing in a lot of apps, if you use the iPad with the pencil. Uh, so I love the iPad pencil and uh, I've, you know, do all my work, all my audio editing and everything with, with the pencil. Uh, and if you live in that world, you can do a lot of manipulation um, of text. And But one of the things that programs don't have, even my favorite programs don't have, is a way to move paragraphs up and down without uh, the attached keyboard. Most of those programs have commands like Ulysses has it, Bear has it, Agenda 
has it where with a keyboard you can move paragraphs up and down, which is really important to a writer or a screenplay writer or a novelist where you want to move sections around without cutting and then moving and then repasting. Using the command feature, one of the things that I'm sure you're aware of, Tim, is that you can create new commands. When you create a new command, you can also invoke in that command commands that you've already written. So you can sort of chain commands together. So when none of the apps I use could move a paragraph up, I simply created a series of commands such as select current line, cut that, move up, go to beginning of paragraph, paste that. And then uh, I made a command that contains all of those subcommands. And so all I have to do is put my cursor in a paragraph and say push up. I had to come up with a vocabulary that didn't compete with the vocabulary in the command lines or push down and it will grab whatever paragraph I'm in, no matter where the cursor is in that paragraph and move it up above the paragraph above it. And it's incredibly powerful to do that kind of text manipulation that's more than just say bold that sentence or whatever, you know, where you're just changing some of the rich text formatting. Right. And there are built-in ways to work with text, but you've gone beyond that and saying, here is what I'm actually doing with this and let me customize it for my needs. Yes. In prior days, you know, I used to be a Windows guy, believe it or not, because when I had a big company, it was so much cheaper to have Windows machines. And uh, we all were using OneNote, which is not like the app you see on your iPad. The Microsoft OneNote is incredibly powerful text editor, and you could expand and collapse paragraphs and move paragraphs around. So just using the command mode on the iPad, I am building that functionality back into whatever text document I happen to be working on. And it works, uh, for the most part, pretty well. Back to the dictation side of town, which is part of voice uh, control. The dictation itself is not a professional quality dictation. For people who are iPad pros in the professional sense, most of those people are probably listening to iPad had podcasts and um, you know bloggers and and youtubers and i would recommend that all of your listeners ignore any negative comments about dragon anywhere other than the price point which is very high it's 15 dollars a month right but you pay for what you get is what you're saying yes because it remains the only truly professional dictation service available for the ipad and it is phenomenal and you can move their cursor around with your voice. There's a professional context engine in it and a correction engine. Now, iPad dictation has a correction engine. So let's say it writes the wrong kind of two, a T-O or a T-O-O or a T-W-O, and you say correct two, and it will highlight that word and then put a, a series of optional things that you might have meant, often including T-W-O and T-O-O. Almost any time... I've gone to correct a word, it's giving me ridiculous other words that sound vaguely like it, but in the context of what I'm saying, they aren't the other applications of the word. So if you say horses and it just read horse and you say correct horse, in a professional system, you'd expect horses there every time. Or horsed, as in horsed around the past tense, or horsing or whatever. And so I'm so used to that level but I still keep the iPad dictation on a lot of times. I'm often disappointed with it, but it's so good 
in that you can invoke it any time simply by saying, uh, wake up and go to sleep. Uh, as a matter of fact, it just woke up on me. <laughs> <laughs> go to sleep. boy. But I'm surprised that David Sparks of Mac Power users, you know, I had discovered uh, this app a long time ago, and he discovered it a few years ago and was thrilled with it. And he is has been saying on his podcast repeatedly over the last couple of years that it doesn't work on the iPad, which is not true. It works spectacularly on the iPad. I guess that's sort of the full dump on uh, the dictation and, and voice commands. As far as it suggesting really bizarre words to you. Yeah. Do, do you see this improving year to year? I really pray that they make it a dictation engine as opposed to just a voice recognition system. It really is different. Voice recognition, you know, does a pretty good job of parsing sounds you're making and using some grammatical rules to keep everything somewhat reasonable. But in order to get, you know, the last 8% of accuracy, you need to have much more contextual understanding of what the sentence is about and what words you guess the person is saying. And I would hope that they do that. My guess is, though, it is an extension of the original dictation engine that they had before. It seems like pretty much that same context engine, but with the voice command controls. I'm still happy they have it. I I hope they don't take it away. I don't think they will. And I certainly have allowed them to listen to every bit of text, no matter how personal it is I'm dictating, because I want it to get better and better just by statistical force by having, you know, millions of users, you know, to share their dictation with Apple so that I don't know how they're improving it, probably with a statistical engine of some sort. But yeah, and it is cool. It works all offline. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah. It's a very powerful engine. Yeah. Dragon Anywhere, I think you need to be online in order for it to be sending and receiving uh, to their mainframe somewhere. Yeah. And the the words you're encountering problems with are normal words. It's not some kind of special word that you frequently use that you... No. As a matter of fact, it's better at words like, oh, let's say I use the word recitation or something that is, you know, a little bit bigger and more esoteric or whatever, it can recognize those. Where it has trouble is the context in simpler sentences where it's having trouble following your meaning and so it can't impose the next word correctly. I don't know how Dragon does it, but, you know, they were a huge company. I don't know what they're doing now. I don't even know if Dragon is available on the Mac anymore. Hmm. Yeah, I remember hearing stories about them at least removing some other apps they used to have a great one where you'd submit like an audio file and transcribe it from just like an audio file that you record while you're taking a walk or something yes and i uh i use transcription services separate from even dragon for you know the uh, work i'm doing with digital audio and there's some great ones out there that are apps for your ipad and you, you pay i don't know not pennies per word or something it, it's quite reasonable Just a quick note to interrupt here. I forgot to ask Tom during our interview what service he actually uses for the paid-for transcription. And I asked him, it's TranscribeMe, which has both the website and an iOS app. With that, back to the interview. What microphone do you end up using for dictation? Have you found different results for different headsets and mics? Well, I have an embarrassment of riches with microphones here in my studio, which is also where my office is. So I could, you know, put a Neumann 
mic on the thing. But I love the microphone in the iPad, uh, personally. I think it, it does a spectacular job, uh, especially if you just talk in a regular voice. And I like that, so I don't have to attach extra hardware. And in noisy environments, it still does a pretty decent job with all that? It does. As a matter of fact, I, uh, I do a lot of my writing and always have since I was a very young guy in bars. It started when I wrote in student centers in college and I never busted the habit. And so I work in bars often in the afternoon and by bars, I like cafes. Yeah. What I'll do is, and you'll hear it here, you know, if I want to speak, since I don't want to be calling the waiter over or bothering people around me when I'm speaking, I'll just lean close like this and start dictating. And the microphone does a great job. I used to wear cans, you know, that had a boom on them that would come across your mouth. And those are great. But it's such a huge part of the way I capture text that I didn't want to be limited by that. So I guess I've just taught myself to speak correctly enough for the dictation. Yeah. And are you finding that you are mixing and matching the tools in some context? Does the built-in tool serve you in ways Dragon doesn't because Dragon, you're stuck in that one app? Yes. Well, what I do is I have Dragon set uh, during the the main part of the workday when I'm working on either writing or digital audio editing or mixing or music composing. Basically, where Dragon Anywhere lives is, you know, as a floating window that you can swipe in from the right. If I'm doing a longer form document, uh, I'll just swipe that over, start dictating into that window. And then when I'm done, I'll say, select all and then i'll say cut that or copy that and then i'll go back to wherever you know i was working and just say paste that because now i'm working in a different command structure where the paste that is the ipad's command language which will take whatever in the clipboard and paste that into whatever app i'm using so they play nicely side by side with each other. Now, if you have voice control enabled while using Dragon Anywhere, what's the result? Did you get, you don't get double dictation, right? It shuts the microphone off. It puts the mic to sleep. Okay. So if you're in an application that actually uses the mic, such as like Ferrite, you're recording something that yes. takes priority over voice control. I think so, but it would be hard to know in something like Ferrite when I'm doing audio because there generally isn't a text window open anywhere. Right. It would have to be, you're saying a command to your iPad where it's like opening an application while you're trying to record something. Yes, that's right. Yeah. But I found uh, just specifically with Dragon Anywhere, as soon as I use that and then I go back out, I have to wake up the voice control. But it's easy. It's easy to bring it back. You can bring it back through, not through voice, but through some yes. other assessment. Oh, you can. You can bring it back through voice. You simply say, wake up. Okay. That's really cool. And then, or go to sleep. Uh, and also, there's another setting in it so that you can have it only take dictation from your voice if it sees your full attention on the screen. And it's similar to, you know, the software it uses to recognize your face on the later iPad Pros. Yeah. And that's super cool. I don't have a Face ID iPad, but that seems brilliant because if you look away, then you're not typing while you're... Yeah. yeah. Because... Often my wife will come in and just start talking to me. And in the past, I had to say very quickly without wanting to interrupt my wife, I'd whisper to my iPad, go to sleep. Because <laughs> she'd talk and when she left, I'd realize it had taken dictation for 20 minutes while we were talking. So yeah, that's very useful. And since voice control came out, you're using the same apps as far as what you like to write in, Ulysses and 
um, all the other tools you've been using? Yes. The one tool that uh, that dictation does not work in, strangely, and it used to be a real favorite tool of mine, was Omni Outliner. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great app. It's a great app. And as I said before, I, I cut my teeth you know, in college and running all my businesses, being very good at outlining and teaching everyone else to outline. And Omni Outliner is a full-functioning outliner. Unfortunately, even with their revision where they upgraded it for iOS 13. But when you dictate into it, it's fine. But if you try to give it any commands, such as go to end of line, go to beginning, capitalize that, any of those commands, push up, push down, it doesn't recognize those. And I don't know why, because it universally works everywhere else there's a text window. One other place I think it doesn't work so well is in Microsoft Word's app. Okay. Yeah, with Omni Outliner, I would... uh... I'd try contacting them and see what's going on because they are pretty good with accessibility features and making sure everything talks well. So yeah. I wonder if there's something they can do to adjust how it's uh, done with that. I just assumed, you know, with all, you know, they were hustling really hard to make all the, the changes uh, for iOS 13. And I figure I'm a unique character in that I do an awful lot of dictation and also I don't use a keyboard. I, I always bring a keyboard with me, and it's just a very light Bluetooth keyboard that is, what is it? It's a Logitech one that's very thin and tiny and really long battery life, and it's got sort of a fabric cover. If I need a keyboard, I'll, I'll use that. But for the most part, I'm entirely on the pencil, <laughs> which means for inputting text, because here I, I am writing books. uh means so, voice is your primary way of doing it. I do, but I also, I love using Gboard. Not only uh, uh, the great swipe uh, capability where you can swipe on the keyboard, but it's very good with your pencil, your Apple Pencil. Plus, it has a spectacular dictionary where uh, it's looking at the context of what you're writing and gets it, you know, it's about 99% accurate on swiping. And I can swipe now faster than most people can type. What's your... Assessment on the swiping in the iPhone keyboard and the and the MIDI keyboard you can pull up on the iPad now. I was thinking I was going to use that instead of the Gboard, but for longer, you know, writing sessions, yeah, it's it's a bit small, and unfortunately, that swipe feature goes away as soon as you extend the keyboard back out to full size. Yeah, I hope they add swipe to iPad-sized keyboards next year. Yeah, I mean, my wife watches me do it. And she, she, every time she says, God, I had to start doing that, but she doesn't. And I think a lot of people don't realize that it's not just a, a time saver on an iPhone. It can be really fast. And you can have a sort of a more intimate relationship, I think, with the iPad if you're treating it like a pad of paper. That way it can be up at an angle in front of you and you can uh, swipe, uh, you know, from (laughs) in any bar in the United States. Yeah. So with dictation and voice control, what's your typical error rate? And, uh, you know, how, how often would you be going in and correcting things? I would say in Dragon Anywhere, the error rate, is probably about where the correct rate is ninety uh, about ninety eight or ninety nine percent. It's very high, and I can also it's a hundred percent since you can correct with your voice, and it's so good. So you know, if you heard me uh, typing, I'd be typing along saying I'm very excited about the dictation feature, and then you'd hear me go correct about, and uh, it would bring up three things if it had misspelled about or chosen a different word, and you just choose the number of which 
uh, change, and then it puts the cursor right back where you want to go. So it's virtually 100%. I don't need to go in there with my keyboard ever. I would say the engine uh, that's on the onboard dictation software is about 80 to 90, maybe. Uh, and even for a seasoned dictator like myself, you know, where I treat it uh, gently, realizing it's a machine, but it's it's not. Um, but 90%, I do keep it on because that's good enough for an awful lot of things I'm doing where I'm just texting someone back and I'm saying something like, I'll be there Saturday. It can nail that. So outside of just dictation, are you finding yourself telling your iPad to like open Safari and other kind of commands? I use the open app thing all the time. It's just so fast. So you can say open and any app you use and it jumps right to it. That is fantastic. And just to have that always sitting in the background, because if you're working with a pen and, or a keyboard all day, it's nice to free yourself up from a certain percentage of tasks that require repeated using of your fingers, which right. can be uh, stress stressful on your hands and etc. So I think it's it's the way to go. It's an incredibly rich bunch of commands. Every once in a while, like on a weekend, I'll, I'll read through, you know, just on the on the uh, by going to the settings menu and then into the commands menu. I'll, I'll read through them all and just write a note to myself about one that I ought to be using more often. Yeah, when they added to Siri the ability to open apps, like, oh, that's really cool that Siri can do that now. But it has such a delay that I didn't find myself using it. But it's just such a different experience when it's just ambiently listening to you all the time. Yeah, and surprisingly, it has never once, you know, since September, opened something because I happen to use the word open or something. It, it seems very good at hearing a certain kind of affect in your voice if you're issuing a command that it separates from normal dictation. So it, I find it very powerful. Another thing I like a lot is Occasionally, you know, if uh, if an app is misbehaving and it's not very often on the iPad, it's so incredibly reliable. But if I want to reboot, uh, there's a there's a command for reboot device, <laughs> which seems like a scary one. That if uh, someone knows about that, they could just tell your iPad to reboot. <laughs> yeah, but on the other hand, it you know it puts up a query box asking if you're sure you want. Okay, to good. I've not actually tried that one yet. I know it's capable. I prefer it because, you know, instead of having to push buttons in for a long time, yeah. wait, uh, it, it immediately goes to a reboot. Which... And have you enabled the, they're off by default, but have you enabled the music ones where you're able to just tell your iPad to skip track and play different artists? Yes, I have done that because we are a HomePod home. And so I'm speaking through, although I don't know if the, do those commands work? I, I so often have my iPhone with me when I'm asking yeah. for music. Do those commands work through uh, Siri on the HomePod? Uh, they would, but again, you're like telling Siri to listen, and then it's doing it versus voice control, where it's just always kind of listening without you. That's right. That's right. This saying the command word. Yeah. But yeah. This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by Agenda. In this quick break, I want to share why I love Agenda, which just rolled out their second major update of the season. For those that want a really deep dive into Agenda, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to episode 48 of this podcast, where I spoke with Drew McCormack, the co-founder of Agenda. Agenda, if you still haven't tried it, is a great note-taking app that really thoughtfully integrates your calendar and reminders into your notes. 
If you have a meeting coming up, you can use an agenda note to prepare for that meeting and have all the information related to that meeting on hand by attaching any file. Or now with iPadOS, you can do multi-page scans right within Agenda. If you use the whiteboard at that meeting, you can also use Agenda to capture that whiteboard with your camera and include it with your notes so whatever work needs to be done after is all in one place. Or say your meeting was a virtual meeting. You can save that video file as a part of that note. I love the organization system within Agenda. You divide out the main aspects of your life or job, and from those main categories, create different projects for everything you are working on. This system got even better for premium users in Agenda 9. New is the ability to create subcategories and archive old projects. In Agenda, your notes, unlike a task manager, have a few different states that is all conveyed through a single radio button. Filled in yellow indicates your task is on the agenda, or it is top of mind and shown in a special on the agenda view letting you view everything important in your life from all of your projects in one place. A simple tap on the radio button lets you take it off the agenda or mark it as done if it is a note that has a completion state. New in Agenda 9 is a trash bin, so you can review and restore, if needed, recently deleted notes. The new version also added even more X callback URLs to allow further automation in shortcuts. The recent update also added contextual menus that made some actions even easier to access and introduced access to new data points about your notes and projects, such as the file size and word count. Another part of Agenda that I really love is the timeline view that lets you view your calendar and easily link Agenda notes to calendar events or create a brand new Agenda note that you want associated with a certain event, add a reminder through the Reminders app, and much more, including scene-related notes and recently edited notes. And if you upgrade to the premium version, it features something I wish I could find in standalone calendar apps. The quick reschedule feature is just killer. If you need to push back an appointment or reminder task, Agenda makes it quick and simple to do just that. Just tap on the event and select quick reschedule. You'll then be asked if you want to push it back 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, or until tomorrow, the next week, or next month at the same time or until tomorrow, the next week, or next month at the same time. This is something you won't find in even some of the best calendar apps for iPad, but it's something quick and simple in Agenda. If you've ever tried using a task manager to take notes and were frustrated by that experience, give Agenda a shot. It's the note-taking app that actually helps you stay on track with work and personal projects. The final thing I want to mention is how much I love Agenda's monetization approach. When you upgrade to get the premium Agenda features, you aren't signing up for a yearly subscription plan. You get to keep every premium feature that is released in the next 12 months, and only if Agenda delivers new premium features you think are worth paying for, do you ever have to pay again. The developers are constantly working on making you happy, as a premium customer, to earn your business again and again. To learn more, go to Agenda.com. Download Agenda today for free from the App Store. Thanks again to Agenda for sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. Learn more at www.agenda.com. So let's move on to some other iPadOS features and kind of, I just want to start with what are you finding most useful? Some useful ones, uh, well, I'd say, you know, it's not new, brand new, but uh, the Apple Pencil is, of course, uh, uh, my favorite feature. Is the new latency, like, is that, that was improved, right, in iPadOS, uh, it, good it deal, was. right? And it's in the thousands uh, of seconds, you know, a couple of points, uh, you know, decimal, three decimal points over faster, which 
you know, I, I work with artists because I do animation and they notice it, but nothing I do would be sensitive to that because I'm not an artist myself. I was, as I know this isn't exactly features, but uh, you know, the, the split screen I just use all the time. And I wish you could save pairing and maybe you can, and I just haven't figured out how to do it. You know what I mean by? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that would be a really cool thing. But yeah, yeah, I don't think it's there either. And it, it, that would be neat if you could do that. Yeah, because, you know, often I, if I have my email thing up, I, uh, I want to have my uh, calendar up, you know, uh, to be, uh, but not always do I want them both up. So Yeah, or even naming those pairings. So when you say open, say open this pair of open. Yes email uh schedule yeah. time yeah yeah you yeah you could yeah uh, it, and you'd, you'd have to give them some sort of name or label so that uh you could find them and i bet they do that eventually i i can't believe that they wouldn't initially i was very excited i know there's more software than feature but the built-in apps that were part of the apple ecosystem uh uh there was both reminders and notes that got a big software uh, upgrade uh, this last time yeah and uh, I was really eager to give them both a shot again because I like being within that ecosystem and it being native and therefore hopefully more reliable and notes has got some cool new features and reminders has sort of a cool new interface and you can do sub sub reminders and um, so sort of outlining with reminders which is great but this has been my experience, and it might be different for other people out there, but it's why I ultimately had to stop it. I need reminders and note to be able to share with my wife and share from across my two iPads. I, I, I sort of live a two iPad lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> or work style. Because you can life. do shared reminder lists, right? Yes, you can do shared reminders. And of course, if... You have one account, you know, you can have the reminders and notes be shared on your iPhone as well, because it's all being mediated through your iCloud uh, account. But it is very slow and not dependable still. That was true two years ago. So it might be the case that I'm working at my desk and I was working in notes and I would create a note and then go to leave and I'd run downstairs from my office and check, you know, on my phone before I left just to make sure that note was on my phone because it's going to be important to me and it doesn't come up and I think oh darn it and uh, I think well maybe it will later it doesn't come up and I'll come back home and two hours later it may or may not have updated even when uh, when on wi-fi and I noticed the same thing with notes you know my wife and I will use the notes to say where the cars park something like that if I use the car and then she's going to use it and it's parked in a, a different lot or something like that and yeah it, it's unreliable that it would uh, syn synchronize. And uh, most apps have a way to sort of force a sync, you know, where you sort of pull down on the app or something and it forces it to go through a synchronization cycle. But it is left a mystery to the user on the syncing. Now, the syncing on uh, the reminders is a little better. So uh, my wife and I continue to use that. What do you end up using as a replacement for notes? as your shared system you know it's an ongoing uh i want to say one other thing about notes if you happen to be a, a pencil user like i am the apple pencil user you basically can't reliably write in notes because any time the tip of the pencil touches an area that's not right where there's text 
it will try to create a graphic box and leave a line in there. And cleaning it up takes, you know, longer than it should. You have to figure out how do I delete this? Yeah. The other issue I run across is I really need to zoom in when I do write writing on the iPad with the pencil. So I'll use like good notes and I like to do a good zoom so I can write nice and big, but it's actually small when I zoom out to actual size. That's right. And good notes, of course, does a sensational job. But the question you just asked is my favorite question that I could talk about. I could bore anyone to death with the question of, you know, what do I use instead of notes? Because like an awful lot of like-minded people who are professionals who are using computers, I have gotten into all of the apps that help you do some combination of the four functions. So note-taking, reminders, project planning, and then another category, which is sort of your file cap, you know, an app that you can tuck in, you know, all your health documents or Mm -hmm. your taxes or whatever. And um, there are many ways that people go about that. Some people just will use something like Dropbox or Google Drive and create folders within folders where you're dropping files in. But I've always liked to have an app where you can have, you know, one app serve as many functions as possible. That's why I'm most excited about Agenda, uh, because they seem to have chosen a really good balance of note-taking. It's not exactly a task app, but it can see your Apple reminders from within, as it can see your calendar from within. So it's a pretty good planning tool that way. And you can attach notes that you've made inside Agenda to events. So I'm, I'm getting used to it. It's not incredibly intuitive at first, nor was it when I first started with it. Uh, how old? Is it two years old now? Or that something? sounds about right. Maybe a bit more. With the meaning of putting something on the agenda as opposed to making something due today. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, and everyone, I think, is just left to find their way through that uh, what they're, you know, because it may mean different things to different people as to how you want that interface to work for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to write to them and ask for help on that. And I could see that, you know, what they're hoping is that people just use the the variety of tools in a, in a sensible way. I love their online community. It's just fantastic where you get a weekly update of all, all the uh, issues and, and conversations. They're incredibly responsive and incredibly nice people. Another issue is if you have a longer text as a note in agenda and you trying to, with your finger or with a pen, select a couple paragraphs, when you get to the bottom of the screen, it doesn't scroll farther down in the selection mode. So you have to stop selecting very carefully, lift your finger off, scroll down a little farther, grab the handle on the selection tool and drag it farther down. And these are just glitches they're going to have to hammer out, you know, over time. But I'm putting all my eggs in that basket right now because it's so important to me to have one tool. And my thinking on this uh, is, you know, I don't have one, I don't want my tool for doing digital audio editing to be the same as my text tool, but I don't want a lot of different text tools that all have different buckets of data. Yeah. Yeah. It's just different locations, but I I want a very versatile tool that can accept small amounts of data, large amounts of data and keep track of them in a, in a time function and in a project function and can export uh, large hunks of data. And I love the way agenda has 
done sort of a hybrid between rich tech format and Markdown. I know that there are an awful lot of guys in the iPad world who don't mind Markdown or who love it because they're doing blogs and so they're publishing very quickly. And so they, they're getting in and out of the app quickly and in the publishable mode. And if you're in Markdown, that's great because it will play nice with wherever you're sending it. However, for writers, for the most part, you don't want to see control codes in your tech. You don't, no matter how much the nerds will tell you, you know, it's great. I, I love having control where I can put uh, Markdown right in my tech. But most writers I know would much rather not see a uh, an asterisk on either side of something in order to bold. Right. It's not the most creative uh, flow no, type of thing. It's not a romantic view of your text. And, you know, people don't like rich text formatting because that how each app does rich text formatting might vary from app to app. But as a writer, you might want to bold the first line of a paragraph or you might want to bold, you know, title headings or whatever. And the way it's done in Agenda is it's captured as markdown. It's converted visually instantly. So when you bold something or, or use a different uh, style on something, it always looks clean and pretty, which is the way most writers who are frowning at <laughs> their tech want to see it. In your export, can have all the markdown goodness as well. That's right. And as a matter of fact, you can export an entire project that has lots of notes within it, and it will put them all together. One of the uh, devices I use, um, so to speak, for choosing what is going to be my all-powerful text app is to stress test it by saying, I want this not only to take notes about the furnace guy who's coming and be able to put in photos and uh, documentation and, uh, you know, a PDF file in, but I want it to be able to be where I write my journal uh, because that's long text form and where I am currently writing my screenplays for my uh, either, either TV shows or the podcasts I'm doing now or the books I'm writing. I'm sure, you know, if you looked up use agenda to write a book, it's not on the top of anyone's list. But I like stress testing it like that and taking current screenplay that might be, you know, many pages long and pasting it in, uh, pasting in by chapter, you know, uh, with many notes in a project and just trying it and seeing if it slows down a lot, trying to back up. Because I really think the, uh, the future of this for professionals is I can see having different tools for reminders, say, or something like that, because it's really different function. But for text-heavy work, even if it's just notes, mm -hmm. it makes sense to learn one interface and get really fast. Yeah. And instead of, you know, switching back and forth from Ulysses to Bear to Microsoft Word to Apple Pages, I keep on hoping Pages would be good for long form, but it's not like Microsoft Word where, you know, they actually have some features for novel writing in them. But anyway, I'm asking a lot of agenda, which it, it didn't even promise that it could do, but it's a great way to stress test something and say, look, if this project I'm working on that I'm doing an agenda blows up in a good way, and suddenly it's huge, and I have multiple scripts going on at the time, and multiple notes, and notes back from a network, and, and then uh, audio that I'm putting in, say, I want to stress test it that way to see if it can really grow. 
And I don't know the answer to that. And I, I think probably nobody does. But that's the basket into which I'm putting all my eggs now. And I realize I'm not asking them to be necessarily, you know, uh, great for a 200 page uh, novel, but I am, that's the hope I have for any app. Yeah, no, that's a fascinating way to kind of go about evaluating different tools. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I also keep a list, a master list of all the things that are important to me in my master text handling tool so that if an app starts flirting with me and saying, oh, I could do it, I could do everything for you, <laughs> such as uh, Notion. I don't, uh, I'm not sure if you've played with Notion at all, the iPad app. Yes, I have. Yeah. It, it, it's close for me, but it's a little bit wonky still. It's a little bit nerdy. And uh, I'm trying to do it on the iPad. And they also have a desktop version, you know, that is much more powerful. They just had a round of financing for like 40 million or 60 million or something like that. And so it's in a different category than a lot of the app, you know, franchises. And uh, so I'm, I'm waiting for them. But I, I think Agenda is, there's something about the team that I trust. And uh, that's why I'm sticking with them for now. Yeah. The active development is just that there's a lot of love to what they're doing there. And yeah, they just pushed out another big update. Yes, where you can archive things. It's, it's great. Yeah. So let's kind of wrap up with, audio editing and yes. ferrite this is something new in the past uh, couple of years here for you so can you first kind of share what you're doing with ferrite and what these projects involve yes well so for a long time many many you know two decades i've been doing digital audio editing using pro tools or other tools um, on desktop computers and so i got very fast at that so that i could uh uh, do the audio. And then uh, when this most recent podcast came up, I said to uh, my partner, I'm going to do this on the iPad. And he said, uh-oh. <laughs> I said, no, I'm very excited to try it. And uh, well, let me just give you an example of what's involved, you know, in because it's a little different than most people's podcasts where you're just recording a conversation and then maybe cleaning it up a little. It's almost like... Uh, um if you listen to like a dramatization of like Star Wars on the radio back many decades ago, I, I've listened to those and uh, right yeah. where it's it's almost like movies for your ears in a way, right? That's right. And uh, so for each episode, I'm remotely recording actors and comedians from three general areas: the Boston area, the New York area, and the Los Angeles area. And I have some, you know, pretty well-known actors and. Uh, comedians working with me, some that switch around episode to episode and some that are regulars. And then, uh, so I'm recording those and getting them into Ferrite. And then I'm mixing background music stings that I've recorded in the studio. I'm, I'm a musician, so I've recorded all the R&B soundtrack for the show. And next I'm doing sound design using a really extensive sound effects library all of which I'm doing in Ferrite. And then most of the time is spent digitally editing two, three, or four people who are acting out scenes, even though they're in different cities. But occasionally they're adding some improvisation. That's I hire actors who are particularly good at improv, you know, from Second City or from the Groundlings or, and that are very uh, adept at that. And so it's not all on script. It's not all sequential. Uh, there are multiple 
takes on every scene. So you're going through and listen, you know, having each actor on their own uh, track and then listening to different segments and moving words around, not just phrases or entire conversations. You're taking a person's answer to a question the other person asked, uh, you know, 10 minutes earlier because it was a better take or whatever. So that is where you're really getting into the weeds with digital audio editing, where cutting, pasting, uh, sending, sliding, moving uh, stuff around. And that's my favorite skill, and it takes an enormous amount of concentration. And then the obvious last step is mixing and mastering. And Ferrite has a spectacularly intuitive interface, and you, you can tell that the creators have watched people who are doing more than just mixing music sessions or recording dialogue. Uh, for a podcast because they're incredible they have an incredibly elaborate set of tools uh, that you can switch out to your taste and I would recommend anyone who's using it spend a lot of time playing with each tool just so that you know it in the back of your mind because ultimately when you're doing that kind of workstation work on whether it's audio or video or image manipulation you're always trying to improve your speed and your comfort with a tool. And, you know, you wouldn't want to work for a year and a half on something and have someone come in and say, you know, that thing you're doing in three steps there, there's already a tool built into the app that can do that. And there's no way around having to just sit down and read the documentation all the way through and try each one of the tools. And it's very very professional. And it has not once in the two years I've been using it had a glitch. It's not made any errors. It's not dropped any files. It has not bombed. It's not frozen. And, you know, I am really putting it through its paces where on playback, it might be playing 16 tracks simultaneously. And it's a workhorse. Yeah, the data safety, I feel, is really strong in that app. I could have some weird stuff going on on my iPad as on a system whole, and uh, th- that app will will keep that stuff safe. Yes. One thing I think I had mentioned to you in an email, or I forget when, but was that if you're doing a really big project, you're probably not going to want other projects uh, resident in ferrite, so to speak. Yeah, because you have uh, a lot you have like thousands of little tiny clips in your library at that point. Yes, and you're building your libraries out, and sometimes you have a clip that has now been broken down into six clips, and you're doing some... Uh, th- there are lots of nice uh, digital plug-in tools, you know, where you can change EQ or compression or anything like that. So invariably you're just creating a lot of debris all of which is necessary and the cool thing is at the end of say an episode episode two which i just fixed it's got thousands of pieces in it but if you say in the file management portion of the app that you want to archive it it grabs all of the audio that was accessed so any file so even if i have a two minute music file and i'm only using a four second sting it grabs that file and puts it all into a bundle, a uh, zipped bundle, and then you can save that. And I would do that every night. Every night I would you know, create a, an archive of the project I was working on and save it. Uh, I use Google Drive a lot and uh, just because I've been using it for so many years. And you know, sometimes it would take five minutes to upload to Google Drive, but it was a great uh, backup system. I never needed the backup because uh, it is so robust as software. But yeah, now that I've done episode two, I have that archived and sitting on Google Drive. 
and also then copied over to a Dropbox for double security and then empty it all out and go on to the next. Now, it does have tagging features. So theoretically, you could tag episode two and then tag episode three and have all that stuff resident. But I don't recommend it because then you have to tag every new thing you add. And right, yeah. It to be a pain. Now, I find an external keyboard invaluable when working with Ferrite for doing edits for at least my podcast is the no keyboard thing something you've done with ferrite as well do you edit with touch in the pencil once i started using ferrite i rushed and got this logitech keyboard that i had mentioned before you know the bluetooth keyboard. yeah and uh i spent days uh creating keyboard command you know memorizing keyboard commands and thinking that it would have to be better than the pencil and you can create your own keyboard commands as well, which is the really powerful thing with Ferrite. You can really map out the keyboard to your style. It's just amazing. I mean, that's the kind of thing they have on, on uh, Reaper or Pro Tools, you know, where you can do key mappings and that sort of thing. But I thought since I'd spent my whole life using a keyboard, oh, also I hooked up a mouse, uh, you know, because you can use the mouse, as you know. I'm yeah, we'll chat about that in a second here. <laughs> and I thought between the keyboard and the mouse, I would be right back to where I was before, but it still can't compete with sitting there feeling like an artist and using the pen to uh, highlight a bit of audio on the on the voice print and uh, and then move it around and nudge it a little bit to the left to put a little more pause in what someone is saying to make it sound more natural and one of the things that David Sparks has said from the very beginning is he I think he's the guy who started coining the term delight for the iPad that adds delight to yeah, your life. Exactly. And it is, you know, it does that with text uh, with writing. I can I love uh coming up to my office and working on a book or a screenplay or or whatever. And then I also like coming up and just sitting down with the iPad and doing digital audio with the pen. And there are tons of and specific features that they put into ferrite i carry the keyboard just in case it's pretty much if i'm in a meeting and someone else wants to type i'll let them type you know? yeah but uh, i i feel like making a video of me swiping in where i'm writing when i'm writing uh long for on the on the g board that would it's, be something the yeah because i i'm okay at swiping but i'm not great well you can almost do it's not like it's like touch typing you know where you don't look at the keyboard you can almost do touch swiping because you learn the dimensions of the keyboard. And so the word the basically becomes just a shape where you're hitting yeah. the T and the H and the E and letting it go. And then it puts in the space for you. So that saves every time you, you know, you finish a word, it puts in a space. And so it's very, you know, it removes every space that you're ever typing. Plus, um, it's not repetitive stress of uh, pounding a keyboard. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm a happy camper when it comes to that. So with Ferret, uh, is the biggest challenge right now just managing the file management of it all? Yes, I, I would say. Um, and I was thinking maybe if they had uh, different, what would you call them? Work, sessions? Workspaces, almost? Work, workspaces or sessions or something like that. that were, or a project view, even, where project. you're able to load up a list of... The, that project and all the things associated with that rather than your entire library. Yes. And, uh, you know, it does already have a project uh, vocabulary in it because right. anything, anything that you're working on, if you have, if you've uploaded a piece of audio into it, 
um, it's not a project yet. It's just audio. But as soon as you edit it, it turns its name into, you know, uh, it says whatever the name of the thing is. It says it's a project. And I believe inside each project, if you hit like the I or whatever, it'll have a list somewhere of every asset associated with that project. It does. Yeah, it does. Which is great and terrifying <laughs> at the end because you realize, thank God for this uh, archiving feature that automatically grabs each one of those entire files. So I, I spent a month editing uh, episode two that I just finished. And um, every night I had an archive of it. And they're huge because they contain, contain all these files each time you do it. But it's really is worth doing it. Yeah, so let's, uh, I guess, wrap up um, with the mouse. This is new and I've had OS, and you're using it on a regular basis, or what? What's your use of it? I no, I was using it mostly when I was trying to use the keyboard uh, on Ferrite. Um, I the jury's still out on the mouse. I think ultimately I'm going to like it. Uh, yeah, uh, it's just a, an interesting relationship when you have a stylus in your hand and a mouse. Yeah, it's like another just another option and brings even more versatility to your setup. Yeah. And what you get good at on the iPad after a while is, you know, you have it set up so that your finger scrolls things and the uh, pencil uh, does the uh, text editing or, or whatever kind of editing mm-hmm. you're doing or the digital editing. And it's easy, you know, you, you learn to sort of have, you know, the hand that you're holding the pencil with, you know, you just extend the finger down and it's very fast back and forth with that. With the mouse, it's, a, it's another whole motion. I'm really glad they did it. You know, I, you know, there's some control surfaces that work really well with MIDI devices. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with and them. And I'm, I'm hoping some of those, there are just uh, little pieces of hardware that are just a series of buttons that you can label that's hardware buttons. Yeah. I'm hoping at some point through, you know, Bluetooth, you'd be able to map those to different apps too. Yeah, and the custom ones on mice are pretty neat. Did you set up yours in any kind of special way? Yes, I did. The mouse I have doesn't have that many extra buttons, but it's it's more than an Apple mouse. You know, it's got a scroll wheel and some extra buttons on the side. And while I was trying to make a really fast, usable environment for audio editing using keyboard and mouse, I, I had that all set up. And it was quick. I think it's probably almost quicker, but it's not as delightful as the pen. So Right, yeah. Uh, now, you were last on in June of 2018. You've moved over to Agenda as like your, your note-taking app and text app. What other ways has your usage evolved in that time? Well, I have been through a couple of different one master text app. I you know, tried a bunch of different things, uh, including notes. And that, and that's where I was saying I ended up with Agenda. One thing that we just use all the time for actors and for, uh, you know, recording sessions is Google Docs, the app, because the refresh is instantaneous. Uh, if you have two writers working on a script, uh, there is always the peril of, uh, of a version control crisis. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. Where suddenly... Two, the versions that you each have are are out of sync with each other. And most apps that sync up documents will have a warning or something and saying, uh, you have a sync error, you know, here are the two copies, which one is the real one? And that can be a disaster if people are making notes on the script while they're acting, while they're writing, while you're writing in the middle of the night. 
I'm working on it. And then John Benjamin, who's a comic actor, you know, in New York is screwing around with it. Uh, normally I wouldn't want that to happen with Google Docs is preternaturally fast. You can have someone in China doing tech simultaneously with you and it will not get out of sync. And with iPadOS, have you moved over to Safari rather than the app itself? Yes, I have because, uh, Safari lets you uh, gives you all the features of uh, Google Docs. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, hopefully their app gets better, but yeah, the Safari uh, version is just great now. I don't know where Google's heart is. You can imagine working with comedians, and they'll start playing a game where I'm typing, and as fast as I'm typing, they're deleting the word behind me, and uh, and I'm saying, "Hey, cut it out!" and <laughs> we're laughing, but it's that instantaneous. They're in L.A., I'm in Boston, and uh, I don't know how how they're doing it. It's, yeah, it's a mystery because nothing else sinks that fast. You, you know, your Gmail doesn't go that fast. Sometimes, it, you know, it can take two or three seconds to show up on someone else's desktop. But this is instantaneous. So it gets rid of all sync problems. And so that's, you know, for collaboration, that is so valuable. You don't even have to have version numbers anymore. It's just like the document. I'm trying to think if there's any other app. Well, I've converted over to Apple Music entirely. I was a Spotify guy. Ulysses I use, but I'd, I'd rather not because as delightful as it is, it's not really cool to look at all that mess. The markdown stuff. The markdown and there's Scrivener, which I have tried, but I don't trust. People are writing all the time about, you know, God, it's out of sync and it's telling me I have to reload everything. And, uh, you know, after an experience with Ferrite, you think, boy, I'm paying professional money for this. I want, I want real. I don't like the uh, um, proprietary server. Uh, I never have. Yeah. I use Trello for some bigger projects, but I'm going to see how I might be able to use Agenda for that too. Those poor guys. I'm not going to complain to them if it doesn't work out, but I just, I like what they're doing so much and I'm just... Yeah, try to see all the ways that you can can use it, yeah. Yeah. So with that, anything we didn't cover that you'd like to before we wrap it up? I don't think so. No. Okay. Uh, there, you had said, do I want to let them know how to find material I'm doing? Yeah. But since I'm since I'm a, a company that is making material for networks or publishers, I'm not really putting out my own stuff. I would recommend anybody with a sense of humor go to YouTube and look up Dr. Katz. That's Dr. K-A-T-Z. And you will find 80 incredible uh, episodes of this strange, quirky animation with just about every comedian you've ever loved in it. You know, we've got just everybody. Yeah. And... Uh, that, that can be uh, a great way to uh, spoil some time. <laughs> Excellent. And the podcast you mentioned, that is still kind of finishing development for release and not uh, quite out. That's yet, right. right. Mm-hmm. Because what we're trying to do is uh, get, you know, uh, I think six or eight in the can before we announce it. Yeah, makes sense to do that. Well, with that, uh, thank you so much, Tom, for your time today. It's been great um, learning about everything you've been up to uh, recently and this whole voice control and dictation. And yeah, hopefully this has been helpful for people looking into getting into more uh, dictation on their iPad. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you. Well, that was my episode with Tom. Thanks again to Tom for his time recording this episode. Make sure to get some good laughs in by looking up Dr. Katz on YouTube. And thanks again to Agenda for sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. You can get started with Agenda for free with their fantastic iPad, iPhone, and Mac apps. And if you're enjoying the app, I'd highly recommend upgrading to get the premium features. The team at Agenda is constantly adding more premium features and features that I wouldn't want to be without. 
And as I mentioned earlier in this episode, once you have a premium feature, you will always have that feature, even if you don't re-up your premium upgrade next year. By upgrading to premium, you are upgrading to 12 months of features that you get to keep forever. With that, thank you for your time and attention listening to today's episode. If you feel inclined, head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave a review. Every review is really, really appreciated. And if you want some extra content, some episodes early, head on over to patreon.com slash iPad Pros. With that, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to everyone again real soon.